Scenarios that were once dismissed as conspiracy theories keep coming true. So what's next? Find out on this edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 198 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Wednesday, July 20th, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to mention. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, when I was running for the Republican gubernatorial nomination of Arkansas earlier this year, I would occasionally mention Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum, as a man who has dangerous plans for our country. Invariably, Arkansans I spoke with were pleasantly surprised that, A, I knew who Klaus Schwab was, and, B, I was actually willing to mention him in my campaign remarks. They weren't used to hearing somebody running for office in Arkansas who knew who Klaus Schwab was, knew what the World Economic Forum was, and was willing to actually discuss the dangers there. Now remember, the World Economic Forum announced in 2020 that by the year 2030, you won't own anything, you won't have any privacy, but you'll be so much happier. Now I'm sure if you're listening to Doc Washburn's show, you know the old saying, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. So what these people have planned for us and for the whole world is evil. So I was glad to come across a news thread on Twitter exposing some of the most recent developments of the World Economic Forum. So let's get right to that. Now there is a Twitter profile, Angelus Calorum. And I know that means something in Latin, and I should have looked it up, but it says the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. It's a quote from a guy named Sir Martin Rees. And this is a Twitter thread about rigged elections across the world. And what you're going to hear in the first soundbite, Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum, already said himself, the World Economic Forum has infiltrated in all levels of our government, decision makers, in order to instill against our will their dystopian ideas. So, the first soundbite you're going to hear is Klaus Schwab talking exactly about that at Harvard. The first voice you will hear is former Clinton advisor David Gergen 
with a question for the horrible Klaus Schwab. When you brought the Young Global Leaders Program here for executive education and the Schwab Fellows, but there are two countries in the world now in which the Young Global Leaders have emerged. Tell us just a bit about that in terms of governance. Now, again, as an old radio guy, one of the things that flabbergasts me is that a university like Harvard with billions of dollars cannot do better audio than this. I'll never understand it. Now, a lot of the audio we're going to have tonight about the World Economic Forum is going to be really pristine, great audio, but I, uh, I, I know the audio is bad, but I would be remiss in my duty if I didn't play it for you. So listen to what Klaus Schwab says in answer to David Gergen, the old Clinton guy here at Harvard. Yes, um, actually, this um, notion to integrate young leaders is part of the World Economic Forum since many years. And I have to say, when I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even um, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Do you get that? Angela Merkel, Germany, Vladimir Putin, Russia, were all young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Did you know that? But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, President of uh, Argentina, and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau, and... I know that half of this cabinet, or even more half of uh, half of this cabinet, are for are actually young global leaders of the world. So he's saying that at least half of the cabinet of Canada is sold out to the World Economic Forum. Is sold out. To what they're trying to do. Now remember that because that that will come up later. That will come up later. All right. Klaus Schwab and David Gergen talk about the World Economic Forum penetrating like infiltrating the cabinets of different governments around the world. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina and uh, it's true in France now. I mean, with the president, with the young global leader. But what is important for me is those young global leaders have an opportunity to come here. And we have established uh, a course uh, now since several years. And I think it has this cooperation has a tremendous impact because... Um, being here for a week uh, really creates a strong community. And we, in addition to the young global leaders, we have now the global shapers in uh, 450 cities around the world. Do you get that? Global shapers in 450 cities around the world. That's how much money is involved in the World Economic Forum. 
And of course, Klaus Schwab's dad was a Nazi. And the ideas of the World Economic Forum are Marxist. Oh, yeah. So, um, I'm just getting started. Now, next, you're going to hear a member of the Canadian Parliament asking a question about Klaus Schwab infiltrating the cabinet, apparently by a Zoom call. And the Speaker of the Canadian Parliament is going to say, well, I'm sorry, we had a a bad connection. I'm sure you had a good question, but we... We had a bad connection, so he's going to cut him off. Check it out. Testimony contact, questions and comments, uh, the Honorable Member for Oshawa. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I listened to my colleague's speech. I had a constituent that wanted me to ask a question about outside interference to our democracy. Klaus Schwab is the head of the World Economic Forum, and he bragged how his subversive WWF World Economic Forum has, quoted, infiltrated governments around the world. He said that his organization had penetrated more than half of Canada's cabinet. And I was wondering, in the interest of transparency, could the member please name which cabinet ministers are on board with the WEF's agenda? My concern is the deputy. Uh, order, order, order. I, I know it was, I know the, uh, the member was in a, a really good, good question there, but the, the, the audio is really, really bad and the video is really, really bad as well. Um, and I, and I, and I apologize. The audio was not bad. Compared to the audio I played for you of Klaus Schwab and David Gergen at Harvard, this audio was just fine. So the Speaker of the Canadian Parliament lied to cut off this member of the Parliament who wanted to know which members of the Cabinet of Justin Trudeau had been compromised by the World Economic Forum. There's no problem with the audio. Now, after this, one of the libs and the Canadian Parliament has a point of order and condemns the other member of the Parliament for spreading what he calls misinformation. It's not misinformation. Klaus Schwab announced it publicly. It's not misinformation. Not in the least. Next, you're going to hear from a... uh, a senator of the country of Australia, a guy named Alex Antic, blasting the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab for penetrating governments. And if you don't think the World Economic Forum has penetrated our government, I, I can't help you. I mean, if you don't think that, you're probably not listening to Doc Washburn's show anyway. Australian Senator Alex Antic says the World Economic Forum is filled with authoritarianism and Marxist ideology. And so, this guy is, uh, this Australian senator, he's a hero. He's a great patriot. And I'm honored to share with you 
what he is saying about the World Economic Forum, which threatens all of us. In 1971 by Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum is steeped in authoritarianism and Marxist ideology. It's an ideology which is creeping into governments across the world. To quote Schwab himself when speaking about the Canadian Parliament, we penetrate the cabinets. I know that half, that half this cabinet, even more than half, are actually young global leaders of the, of the World Economic Forum. It's true in Argentina, it's true in France, now with the president who is a young global leader, end quote. The World Economic Forum promotes globalist issues such as climate change, so-called systemic racism and sexism, and creating an online digital identity. Climate change, which, as we all know, is a hoax. It's a scam. It is a power grab. That's what's going on here. However, closer inspection reveals the World Economic Forum is an anti-capitalist, anti-free market organization that seeks to subvert Western values and political processes. And they are very organized and very well funded. Their message is designed to appear harmless, when in fact, the ideology that underpins it is revolutionary and destructive. By the way, this thing about systemic racism. So I've got a friend who has a child in middle school in central Arkansas, and they have to fill out these questionnaires like uh, how uncomfortable on a scale of 1 to 10 do you feel sitting next to a black child in the classroom? And this middle school child asks his mother, Mom, why do they make us fill out these stupid questionnaires or stupid questions like that? It's because they're trying to project their racism onto you. That's it. That's it. They train aspirational leaders in their ideology and help them make connections in spheres including politics, business and the arts. The World Economic Forum has consistently advocated for the harshest and most extreme COVID uh, measures possible, including lockdowns, mandatory vaccinations, vaccine passports and mask mandates, despite these policies assaulting many of our basic liberties. Yep, it's all about control. At the centre of the World Economic Forum's ideology is stakeholder capitalism. Essentially, this is a theory that traditional free market capitalism ignores the dangers posed by climate change, and so the government must enforce restrictive policies to save the environment, even if that means less wealth. Why, then, are the forum's criticisms criticisms of capitalism always directed at Western nations rather than the great polluters such as China and India? Exactly because they're trying to shut down freedom. Just like communists always have done. The Forum believes that your freedoms should be minimised to prevent the imminent climate catastrophe, the one that's becoming coming for 10 years in the last 50 years, by the way. The central theme of the World Economic Forum's material is what they call the Great Reset, which is Klaus Schwab's term for the opportunity the pandemic has presented to reimagine and reinvent the economic policies of the West. The term comes from Schwab directly himself with his 2020 book entitled The Great Reset. In a now-deleted video titled Eight Predictions for the world in 2030, the World Economic Forum claimed that you'll own nothing and you'll be happy, a slogan that hits the same dystopian note as work makes you free and ignorance is strength. Told you. You don't have to be a political philosopher to figure out that if you own nothing, the state owns everything. There's a word for this. It's called communism. Told you.
The World Economic Forum and its affiliates shamelessly promote the abolition of private property, a central facet of Karl Marx's demented utopian ideology which led to the deaths of tens of millions of people worldwide in the 20th century. To quote Margaret Thatcher... Quote, communism never sleeps, never changes its objectives, and nor should we. No matter how sophisticated the World Economic Forum tries to make the abolition of private property around the world sound, uh, the fantasies of Karl Marx always lead to the crushing of individuals' liberties and lives and the expansion of the state's tyranny and power. It is imperative that we pay close attention to the World Economic Forum and do all that we can to preserve liberty and reduce government intrusion in our lives. And if we fail to do so, the anti-democratic forces in the West will continue to march on and we may wake up to an Australia that we no longer recognise. Australians deserve to know the extent to which the World Economic Forum's influence and infiltration of our country and how far it has gone and we're going to find out. Do you hear what he just said? You, we, we may wake up to an Australia we no longer recognise. Um, do you recognise the USA we live in right now? Is it is it like the one you grew up in? No? I didn't think so. They didn't just steal the 2020 presidential election in the U.S. They've been doing this all over the world. All over the world. Now, next, we come to a statement from uh, Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro addressing election fraud in Brazil. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but elections have been rigged in not just the U.S., but also Canada and France, and now they're trying to do the same thing in Brazil. Now, I'm not going to play you the audio of the Brazilian president because you probably don't understand Portuguese any better than I do, and that's the language they speak in Brazil. But I'll read you the transcript of what he says. He says, I scheduled a meeting for Monday with about 50 ambassadors or more to discuss elections, the second round of 2014, the one that had a blackout. ACL Neves was in front. Then Dilma Rousseff was was down there. And after the blackout, Dilma won. But we got something that nobody believed. We got the arrival of votes in the Superior Electoral Court in real time. God helps us, right? Then we will show 2014, the 2018 elections, where I won in the first round. Now, I say this is not lip service. I have to prove it. Guys, I'll have to get there. Thanks for the conversation. So why are we talking about Brazil? Well, Brazil is a strategic country. If Brazil falls, the whole American continent will be in the globalist hands. Please keep in mind that Brazil is responsible for one in five meals across the globe without talking about all its natural resources. All right? So 
when you talk for a moment about how Brazil has been infiltrated by the World Economic Forum, why their president, Bolsonaro, has so much resistance to implement anything in Brazil, and also why he is being slashed by the international press. It's also the reason why they want rigged elections in Brazil, because Bolsonaro won't bend over for the globalists. Won't do it. So anybody that stands up to Klaus Schwab and the, and the World Economic Forum um, is in danger politically. So this Twitter thread from Angelus Calorum continues, start looking across the world. Why do you think Boris Johnson lost his head? Simple. He wasn't implementing the green agenda as fast as the World Economic Forum wants. If they slow down, the masses will wake up from their trance. Take a look at who is also under World Economic Forum infiltration. Compliant leaders acting as World Economic Forum agents within our national government. This is what uh, UKCitizen.org is talking about. And they got the Secretary of State for Foreign, Commonwealth, and Developmental Affairs, Chancellor of the Exchequer, that's like the the Treasury Department, Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, uh, Secretary of State for the Home Department, former Chancellor of the Exchequer, again, former Treasurer, Got all kinds of all kinds of Brits high up in government who are down with the World Economic Forum, and then the official UK government website has a page talking about UK and the Sustainable Development Goals. The 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development was adopted by 193 UN member states at the UN Sustainable Development Summit in 2015. It provides an ambitious, globally agreed, shared blueprint for the world we want to see by 2030 and is centered around the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Okay, so I guess Boris Johnson wasn't getting it done fast enough. And then there's a poster of Klaus Schwab saying, please be patient while we program your next prime minister. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Katie Hopkins. She is a Brit. Used to come on Fox News a lot and haven't heard anything from her in a long time. But um, but she's got something to say. And we will share that with you momentarily. First of all, I want to express our appreciation for our advertisers, our friends. Our advertisers are our friends, and they make it possible for what, for us to do what we do on the Doc Washburn Show every day, and I hope that you will patronize them when you need what they have. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live, That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including 
your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live. RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else. Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401k or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement, call my friend Jonathan Presswood today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501-303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501 303 4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. All right, thank you again to our advertisers, including Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones and Mitch Ward at Red River Your Way. All right, let me... um, Let me get back to this remarkable thread out of Twitter about elections being stolen all over the world. Katie Hopkins used to be on Fox News all the time. She's a Brit. And she's got a lot to say. Here she is. Actually wants to be forced punitively down this green agenda that's being superimposed on our country by powers that are much bigger than anything inside our country. 
democracy, I think, is at best an illusion. And any of the emotions emoted today are probably a fabrication. And I think real ordinary people like me and you and others have much more real and ordinary problems that we face, not least the fact that currently we have security tags on cheese. That's my best summary of where we're at right now here in the UK. They have security tax on cheese in the UK. The green agenda. You know, uh, I got to tell you, as we hear Dementia Joe Biden and uh, his cabinet members and his advisors talk about how thrilled they are the gas prices keep going up. You, uh, you think they got that idea all by themselves? No. No. Okay, let's uh, stay on the uh, British Commonwealth and talk about Canada. So did Trudeau win the election or did he take it? like Biden took it. Got a screenshot here from CBC News, a Canadian broadcasting company. It says the federal election might not have a clear winner Monday night, and here's why. Elections Canada isn't counting local mail-in ballots until Tuesday. Oh, well, then they'll know how many they need, right? It says Canadians might go to bed Monday night without knowing the final results of the federal election. They might not even know who won by Tuesday morning. See, they vote Mondays instead of Tuesdays. That's because this year, Elections Canada isn't counting hundreds of thousands of local special ballots, votes from Canadians living in their writings who opted to vote by mail until Tuesday. What is, what is a writing? What, 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 what does that mean? Let's see. What does writings mean? I have no idea. An electoral district of Canada. Okay, great. Thank you. So like a precinct. Elections Canada spokesperson Diane Benson said, the returning office has to go through a set of verifications before they even open a ballot envelope to put it in the box. I see. And then there's a screenshot. guy named Herb Powell says, I live in the only jurisdiction in Canada with its own mandate requiring you to manually document and contact trace people coming to your house or risk a $50,000 fine. Guess who my member of parliament is? It's Aaron O'Toole. Guess who's not fighting for his constituency? Aaron O'Toole. You get it yet? And then it says, Canadians vote PPC. Not that it matters. Elections Canada has already informed the public that, surprise, surprise, none of the fraud-prone mail-in ballots will be counted on election night. Sounds like that tyrant Trudeau is arranging a win for himself. Mark my words, Trudeau will, quote, win, unquote, just like Biden, quote, won, unquote. Yeah. Sounds like they stole it in Canada just like they stole it in the U.S., 
So the thread continues, they're not elected, just selected. And he's got an article here from a Canadian conservative publication that says Canadians didn't elect Trudeau to work for the World Economic Forum. And there's a quote. Any readers recall the following election campaign promise as Justin Trudeau campaigned across the country in advance of winning three consecutive elections. I, Justin Trudeau, promise to fulfill every ideological tenet espoused by Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum. No. In fact, the liberal World Economic Forum connection has been a long time coming, such as the way within Canadian society, first the damage is done in a covert fashion, then at the point when nothing can reverse the process, the public finally begins to comprehend reality. So many examples of this exist, it would make a citizen's head spin if they understood the nature of the condition, immigration policy, refugee policy, multiculturalism, carbon taxation, federal deficit, diversity, critical race theory, LGBT rights, assisted dying, you name it. Canadians did not vote for it. No referendums, no public input, no democracy. How can this be possible? You elect a president, but he doesn't get majority on the parliament? Sound familiar yet? See, in parliamentary systems like the UK and, 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 and Canada, the president is supposed to be from the same party that has the majority of seats in the parliament. Associated Press says, Canada's Trudeau re-elected, but his party fails to win majority in the parliament. Uh-huh. Okay, next, we have a member of the European Union Parliament, Christine Anderson, from Germany, smacking the European Union upside the head for disregarding human rights in the name of globalism and, indeed, Indeed, smacking Justin Trudeau upside the head. It would have been more appropriate for Mr. Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, to address this House according to Article 144, an article which was specifically designed to debate violations of human rights, democracy, and the rule of law, which is clearly the case with Mr. Trudeau. Then again, a Prime Minister who openly admires the Chinese basic dictatorship who tramples on fundamental rights by persecuting and criminalizing his own citizens as terrorists just because they dared to stand up to his perverted concept of democracy should not be allowed to speak in this house at all. Mr. Trudeau, you are a disgrace for any democracy. Please spare us your presence. Thank you. Would that we had more people with her fire, with her with her. Yeah, with her passion in the United States Congress and in the Canadian Parliament 
Um, we have a few, but we certainly don't have enough. Remember her name, Christine Anderson, in the European Union. She's uh, from Germany. All right, we continue our thread about elections having been stolen, not just in the United States. Christine Anderson saying, Today I received an unexpected visit from Canada. The Parliamentary Security Service called me and told me a gentleman from Canada was standing at the entrance with a huge bouquet of flowers and would like to talk to me. As it turned out, it was Mr. Kim Soge from Montreal who thanked me very warmly for my message to Justin Trudeau during his recent presence in the EU Parliament with a great bouquet of flowers. Mr. Soge is associated with the organizers of the Canadian Freedom Convoy and is also vice president of the nonprofit organization Children's Freedom for Future. Mr. Soge's visit made me extremely happy, and I was very moved that he took this long way from Canada to the EU Parliament in Brussels, Belgium, to support my work. In the future, we will remain in contact and are already making plans to further oppose the technocratic agenda of the global elites. Mr. Soge, you are a true freedom fighter. Thank you very much for visiting me. Yours, Christine Anderson, member of the European Parliament. Oh, my goodness. That's uh, that's remarkable. Now we have a statement. We have a statement from another member of the European Parliament, a guy named Mislav Kolakusik, and I guess most of the folks in Europe, even the UK, maybe know who he is. I had to look him up real quick. He's from Croatia. And so I'm not going to play the audio because you're not going to, you know, understand Croatian probably except for my listeners in Croatia. And by the way, um, I appreciate the fact that we have listeners all over the United States of America and in over 30 other countries. I, I'm humbled and honored, and I, I appreciate all of you. So, Mislav Kolakusek, and I, I hope I'm not mispronouncing his name, from Croatia, a member of the European Union Parliament from Croatia, says, Prime Minister Trudeau, in recent months, under your quasi-liberal boot, Canada has become a symbol of civil rights violations. The methods we've witnessed may be liberal to you, but to many citizens around the world, it seems like a dictatorship of the worst kind. Amen. Amen, brother. We continue from Canada. We go back to Europe, to the place of the moment in all the newspapers. Well, not the American newspapers, but the rest of the world. The Netherlands, 
where the farmers are blocking the highways and protesting because the Dutch prime minister is trying to shut most of the farms down and people are hungry. Have you heard about this? Why, 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 why? Because they're trying to go with the Green New Deal with the World Economic Forum and starve the people. Now, those of my listeners outside the U.S., I'm sure have heard about it. Some of my listeners inside the U.S., but not people who just pay attention to the mainstream media in the U.S. I have yet to see video of the general strikes in Holland, in Panama, in Italy. It's not on Fox News. They don't want you to know. Mm Mm-mm. You know, Tucker Carlson, I think, is the only host, the only daily host on Fox News that is really trying to get the truth out. Weekend guys, sometimes Bongino and Mark Levin do some good. Anyway, from Canada, we go back to Europe to the place of the moment in all the newspapers, the Netherlands. The Dutch Prime Minister's use of dog handlers and police with batons at a protest on the eve of an election is a jarring sight in what is supposed to be a democracy. So, what's the deal in Holland? How the Dutch people voted again, again? No, surely, surely this Rutt guy didn't get reelected. Mark Rutt, Prime Minister of the Netherlands, who's shutting everything down. How the Dutch people voted again for Rutt, a government that they didn't want, especially after what's been going on there. Are the Dutch people masochists, or have their elections been rigged also? Could that be? Before the election, the government was also on the news. Bloomberg had the story, Netherlands has worst riots in four decades over COVID curbs. Incidents started when government added curfew to measures. Polls show caretaker Prime Minister... Mark Rutt will likely keep his job after the vote. How about that? A newly elected parliamentarian in the Netherlands confronts Prime Minister Mark Rutt for his endorsement of Klaus Schwab's Great Reset book, which demands an end to private property for individuals using COVID measures as a Trojan horse. The Prime Minister lies, and tries that old chestnut, it's all a conspiracy theory, and is instantly called out. The young lad did his homework. Now, I'm not going to be able to play you the, the audio because, again, it's in, in, in Dutch. But I can, I can read to you the English subtitles because this is important. He says, one of these globalists is Mr. Klaus Schwab, founder and chairman of the World Economic Forum. He wrote a book with a catchy title, COVID-19, The Great Reset. My question to the Prime Minister is, how does he judge the content of this book? 
Prime Minister says, I do not know this book, but I would like to advise Mr. Van Meersen not to look too much into these conspiracy theories. I also watch those fascinating YouTube videos that explain how 9-11 didn't happen or that it happened in a different way. They're nicely put together, but most of the time it's just what it is, a conspiracy theory. Then the young parliamentarian recently elected says, it surprises me that the first question I asked Mr. Rutt, since I've been sworn in as a member of parliament, Prime Minister says, congratulations, by, by the way. He says, thank you very much. But it surprises me that my question was answered with a lie. I have a letter dated November 26, 2020, from Mr. Rutt to Mr. Klaus Schwab. In which he thanks Mr. Schwab for sending him his book. And he calls it a hopeful analysis for a better future. Could Mr. Rutt dig into his memory? It's less than half a year ago. I do not know how long your memories remain active. But you can probably dig this up somewhere. So please answer my first question again, but this time with honesty. Prime Minister says, well, the honest answer is that it is a letter out of politeness because, unfortunately, you cannot read all the books that get sent in, but you do want to send a friendly thank you letter to those who send you a book. Member of Parliament says, so Mr. Rutt lied by saying he didn't lie to me, but he lied to Mr. Klaus Schwab. I have another question. Mr. Schwab pleads in his book for resetting our world. He wants to replace our parliamentary democracy with a global technocracy. He pleads for the end of private property. And apparently Mr. Rutt is not even aware that he called this a hopeful analysis for a better future. How is it possible that Mr. Rutt values a book that has a neo-communist message? Well, he's given it to him, isn't he? While he did not even read this book. And that's where the video cuts off. So, in the Netherlands communications with World Economic Forum, it's been made public. Here's a screenshot. Mark Rutt, agenda contributor, World Economic Forum, 1992, graduated and joined Unilever, human resources manager responsible for staff training in charge of several reorganizations. 1997 became personnel. It goes on and on, but, I mean, He's part of the World Economic Forum. You know? I mean, they tell us even how they manipulate public opinion, paying for the mainstream so-called free press to spread the message of the World Economic Forum Here he is in Davos, Switzerland, at a World Economic Forum meeting explaining how important it is to stifle freedom of speech. 
So the message of the World Economic Forum is not in any way challenged. There is a risk that with Facebook and all the other big companies who are drawing all the advertising money. This time in English, by the way. Into the internet now, that it is running against uh, the traditional newspapers and the traditional news outlets. But we need journalism to be able, for example, we have all seen this small uh, clip with Obama saying very strange stuff, which was a created clip. But when you see it, it, it seems like it is really Barack Obama. Imagine that this clip will be aired on television one or two days before the election, with some of the national politicians being in that small uh, uh, clip. On, 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 on the internet or on television that might have a huge impact on election outcomes. So you need free press at these moments to be able to explain to the people what is really happening. But that costs money. So one of the pleas I have with big business here in Davos, don't put all your money in the internet advertising. Make sure that our newspapers, our news outlets, also our TV stations, also in the future will be able to pay sensible and, and, and real uh, salaries to our uh, journalists to be able to do this. I believe it is crucial. And finally... Wait. So the government subsidizes journalists? Did I hear that right? Let me, let me play that part again. TV stations. Also, in the future, will be able to pay sensible and... and, and uh, I didn't back it up far enough, did I? Let's see. Don't put all your money in the internet advertising. Make sure that our newspapers, our news outlets, also our TV stations, also in the future will be able to pay sensible and, and, and real uh, salaries to our uh, journalists to be able to do this. I believe it is crucial. And finally, I think what will help me, of course, is when you have an established democracy. Um, because in an established democracy uh, with multi-party systems, uh, that in itself will create a tradition in your society of debating all the various issues and views, etc. And that is to the core of what we as human beings are. Uh, we like to debate. And you, you come from Israel. Uh, Israel is one big debating society. And... Um, uh, and most of our established democracies are uh, uh, thrive on debate, thrive on, on opposing views. But that is also educating young people to be able to distinguish between the crazy stuff and the real stuff, to be able to uh, come to their own conclusions on big societal issues. So an established democracy will be very helpful here, and that's why I'm so motivated to keep that running in the Netherlands. Um. This guy's a fascist. He doesn't want anything to do with democracy. He's running roughshod over his own people. I'm here to tell you. Now, again, my international listeners, I'm sure, are aware of the protests going on in the Netherlands. But a lot of Americans are not. Now, Klaus Schwab himself seems to be almost smitten with the prime minister of uh, of Holland, who's just said such nice things about him, you know? Yeah, seems to be almost smitten with him. His loyal minion, the Dutch prime minister's plan to apply the Great Reset to the Netherlands, Again, Mark Rutte, Prime Minister of Holland, the Netherlands, is an agenda contributor at the World Economic Forum and is enacting policies that reflect 
their ideology. So Klaus Schwab at this big fancy dinner says such nice things about him. Where do you find still such a prime minister in the world? You find it in the Netherlands and it's Mark Rutte. We should not underestimate the significant role the Netherlands is playing on the international scene. We are one of the big donors. You are at the forefront in terms of cyber security, of uh, food security, um, water, gender, and so on. And I was told by a conservative source, you are also probably the best-looking prime minister in, 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 in Europe. Oh, good grief. You are a compass man, someone who has clear values, who follows his values, so you are a real statesman. Wow. Get a room. Good grief. But there's more. There's more. It'll be interesting to see how long until the loyal World Economic Forum poodle Mark Rutt is sent packing by his own people. Now next, Mark Rutt and the World Economic Forum are hand-in-hand in in the reset of the Dutch agricultural industry. Where have we heard this before? The reset. The green reset. In this time of coronavirus. It's certainly a major crisis, but it also offers us a unique opportunity. Now is the time to make the changes we need to build a climate-resilient world, to increase prosperity and improve public health, but also to build back better, fostering green and inclusive recovery, and to achieve progress towards the 2030 Sustainable Development Goals. I can hope we can seize this momentum. Yeah, see, they they want them to stop using uh, fertilizer just like Sri Lanka, where the people are starving. I've got more. I'm just getting started. Just getting started. Let me once again express how thankful we are to our advertisers. I want to mention a couple of them to you. They make it possible for us to do what we do. Like my friend Justin Minton. M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he has sure helped me out with the three automobile accidents I've been in since 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who've been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton makes sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. 
Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt of the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Thanks again to our advertisers, our friends, Drs. J.R. and Tanya Crabtree, my doctors at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center. Also, Justin Minton, my attorney, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. We appreciate all of our advertisers and friends for making it possible for us to do the Doc Washburn Show five days a week. All right, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA to believe some freedom, including the freedom for you to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental U.S. RedRiverYourWay.com. Today's Tweet of the Day is from Jack Posobiec, Senior Editor of HumanEvents.com. Police say the hero of Greenwood, Indiana, fired 10 rounds from 50 yards away, struck the gunman eight times, and neutralized the threat within 15 seconds. No police or military training. And he links to the article. Within 15 seconds of a mass shooter opening fire inside the Greenwood Park Mall, Elijah Dickin got off 10 rounds, striking the shooter eight times and killing him. Police say Dickin was shopping with his girlfriend Sunday at the mall when he 
stopped at a cookie counter close to the main walkways of the mall. When the gunman exited the restroom, beginning his shooting spree, police say what he did was nothing short of heroic. Armed only with a handgun, police say Dickon first engaged the shooter from a distance of 40 yards. Police say he was proficient and tactically sound. According to police, Dickon hit the shooter from 40 yards away with his 9mm Glock on the very first shot. Johnson County Coroner Mike Pruitt said an autopsy found the suspect had eight gunshot wounds and none were self-inflicted. So the hero fired 10 shots from the 80% strike rate. Dickens started making his way toward the gunman, motioning for people to leave behind him. The gunman tried to retreat back into the restroom, but Dickens continued on, shooting the suspect until he fell. Greenwood, Indiana, police chief said the surveillance video shows Sapperman exit the restroom at 5.56.48 p.m., he was neutralized by Dickon 15 seconds later at 5.57.03 p.m. So the shooter was able to murder three people in 15 seconds. Police took Mr. Dickon to the Greenwood Police Department while they watched the security video and spoke with other witnesses to confirm what Dickon told them. During the whole process, police say Dickon fully cooperated Dickon had no police training or military background. Police also confirmed Dickon was carrying a gun under the constitutional carry law that went into effect July 1st. Thank God for that, huh? That's today's tweet of the day. Let me get back to the uh, back to the thread here about elections being stolen across the world. Okay, there's poverty in the Netherlands. Will the Prime Minister, Mark Rutte, the poodle of the World Economic Forum, be elected again? Hundreds of thousands of Dutch people are in financial trouble. The cabinet is hiding behind the situation in Ukraine, but the impoverishment of the Netherlands has already started long before that. It has everything to do with the cartel's fundamental policy choices. So what happens next? From the Netherlands, we go to France where there was clear evidence of election fraud in the French presidential elections. In the first video, and again, this is in French, so I'm not going to play the audio. In the first video, mainstream news reporter Jean-Baptiste announces that data received directly from the government showed Marine Le Pen was slightly ahead of Macron with exactly 13,899,494 votes. Yet somehow by the time the night was over, her vote count had decreased by over 1.13 million votes. 
This by itself is going to create serious legitimacy issues for Macron. But a second video, which has also gone viral, shows precisely how this was accomplished. In the second video, you can see ballots for Le Pen were intentionally defaced in order to rule them invalid. The fact that all of the tears in the ballots were in exactly the same place means that someone is doing this on a massive scale and quickly. Notice the similarities yet? The French people largely know that they were taken advantage of the same way we were here in the U.S. in 2020. Here is a group of the French protesting. Some of them in tears because they know it's being stolen just like they stole it in the U.S. Riots erupted around France after the election. I believe it shows how happy they were with their new president, who they're trying to take out of power for more than three years now, the the Yellow Jackets, who have been protesting every weekend for, for three years. Nothing in the American media about it. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So here's one that sums it up quite well. Alexander Soros, son of George Soros, the great evil one. Congratulations, Mr. President. Great day for France, Ukraine, and Europe. Congratulating Macron for stealing the election. Emmanuel Macron made his first appearance since his election. He received a tomato in the head from the French crowd. Isn't it great to be so loved? Then French President Macron was booed heavily by an entire stadium of French citizens there for a soccer match. Left-wing Jean-Luc Mélenchon celebrated the results of the second round of French legislative elections Last Sunday in Paris, according to the election results, French President Emmanuel Macron reportedly lost an absolute majority in the country's lower house, the National Assembly. Three months after his re-election, opinion polls did not show anything good for Macron. 73% of respondents consider him an authoritarian leader. 70% say he's arrogant. 58% say he's a danger to France. Only 12% of the French expressed any satisfaction with Macron's work. Sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? And and then they have a short video of the CEO of uh, Moderna, Stefan Bancel, speaking of Macron's courage to introduce vaccine passports at the end of the summer last year. I hope you understand where this is going. Recently, though, Marine Le Pen's National Rally Party, conservative, 
and Jean-Luc Mélenchon's La France Insoumise, the Liberal Party, defeated Macron's COVID passport. Wait, wait. So the far conservative and the far liberal got together to defeat the other liberal? Whatever. They defeated the COVID passport in their National Assembly. Jubilant scenes in the French Parliament. You can see the two parties celebrating together in the National Assembly. Wow. Wow. World Economic Forum's Klaus Schwab penetrating government candidates like Macron in France. I mean, we started off talking about that. So Macron, at a July 14th, 2022 parade, under the booing and the whistling of the crowd, shouting, Macron resignation. Yeah, they don't, they don't just steal it in the U.S. They steal it other places, too. Oh, did you hear the United Nations and the World Economic Forum have um, have announced an agreement together? Did you hear about this? Yep, sure have. This afternoon, the Secretary General and Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, will sign will witness the signing of a memorandum of understanding on a strategic partnership between the UN and the World Economic Forum, which outlines areas of cooperation to deepen engagement between the two institutions and to jointly accelerate the implementation of the 2030 agenda. Um, look, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't ever want you to say, why didn't you warn us? Why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you warn us? You know, I, I wish we had more people in our Congress, like Thomas Massey, U.S. Representative from, uh, from Kentucky, roasting, roasting. Mayor Pete Buttigieg, just roasting him. But before I play that, never forget, Buttigieg likes high gas prices. Of course, the more pain we are all experiencing from the high price of gas, the more benefit there is for those who can access electric vehicles. What about those who can't afford electric Vehicles, you fascist. Thomas Massey takes him to the woodshed. Secretary Buttigieg, I've been driving an electric car for 10 years, and I've had solar panels for 15 years, and I'm really bullish on technology and the way it could help make our country energy independent or more energy independent. But I'm really alarmed at sort of the naivete of those who are uh, promoting rapid adoption of these technologies with our existing infrastructure. President Biden signed a non-binding executive order stating that 50% of of vehicles sold in the United States should be electric by 2030. Do you support that? Yes. And he also said that by 20... 
2035 that uh, 100% of the federal fleet, federal government fleet, should be electric. Do you support that? Yes. So um, which uses more electricity? We're talking about residential electricity here. A refrigerator when it's running or an electric car when it's charging in your garage? I would expect a car. I would expect a car. Your Secretary of Transportation, how come you don't know for sure? Oh, that's right. You're an equal opportunity uh, appointment. You didn't have any experience. Know anything about transportation. Couldn't even take care of the potholes in his little town, South Bend, Indiana, he was mayor of. Oh, spectacle. Oh. Uh, would you say it uses twice as much or 25 times as much? I would think closer to 25 times as much. Yeah. Just a guess. He has no idea. It's actually 50 uh, at the instantaneous moment. Mm-hmm. But over the course of a year, if I take the numbers from the U.S. Department of Energy about the average household, how many vehicles they own and how far they drive, over the course of a year, uh, an American household would use 25 times as much electricity for their electric car as they would for their refrigerator. Uh, if they had 100% adoption. If, if and the average family has two vehicles, and this would be if the average family had two electric vehicles. Do you think it would strain the grid if everybody plugged in 25 refrigerators in every household? Well, if we didn't make any upgrades to the grid, sure. I mean, if we had yesterday's grid with tomorrow's cars, it's not going to work. It's one of the reasons why we believe that infrastructure includes electrical infrastructure and argued for that to be included, as it thankfully was in the bipartisan law. Do you, do you think by 2030, which is when Biden says 50% of uh, cars sold should be electric, do you think the grid will be capable of handling electric cars? It's going to need to be, and we're working with the Department of Energy every day. We've established a joint off. Office of Energy and Transportation to map out some of the needs. Obviously, some of this gets outside of my lane, and we've been discussing with, uh, for example, the truck stops that are uh, looking at what their power needs would need to be at an interchange where today uh, they're you know, they're mainly filling up on gas in order to accommodate that. And then, as you mentioned, a lot of the scenario for this is also residential. Uh, but it's also worth pointing out that uh, while a typical driver uh, who adopts electric is using more electricity, at the end of the day, they're using less energy because of the efficiency benefits of getting that energy produced at utility. The problem is that we don't don't have the capacity to produce that energy. You aptly use the word need. You could say want as well. There's needs and wants to make this fantasy work by 2030, but the reality is the capability is not going to be there. The average uh, household uses 17% of their electricity for air conditioning, and uh, that would mean the average household uses... 1,870 kilowatt hours per year for air conditioning. If that average household plugged in electric cars, do you know how much more electricity they would use in comparison to the air conditioning that air conditions their whole house? No, but again, I would emphasize it. Would well, let, be me help less you. let me help you with overall. that first before we go on because the numbers are important. It would take four times as much electricity to charge the average household's cars as the average household uses on air conditioning. 
Do you think that could be so if we reach the goal by 2030 that Biden has of a 50 percent adoption instead of 100 percent adoption? That means the average household would use twice as much electricity charging one of their cars as they would use for all of the air conditioning that they use for the entire year. Do you think this could contribute to rolling uh, blackouts and brownouts in areas of the country where air conditioning is basically considered essential? Not if we prepare. Look, the fact that people who have electric vehicles are going to use more electricity can't be a reason to give up. The idea that America is inferior to the other countries that have figured this out just doesn't sit well with us in administration, and that's not why saying, we're investing I, in a better I, grid. In the time that I have left, let me say, um, I'm not saying we shouldn't prepare. I told you at the beginning of this, I'm bullish on, on this technology, but the, the numbers and the rate of adoption has been developed using political science, not engineering. They're impractical, and if we blindly follow these goals that Biden has set out, it will cause pain and suffering for the middle class. And I yield back, Mr. Chairman. It will cause pain and suffering for middle class, and Pete Buttigieg doesn't care. Joe Biden doesn't care. Kamala Harris doesn't care. None of them care. None of them care. So, as a wise man once said, St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, work like everything depends on you. Pray like everything depends on God. I hope we can pull out of this. But we may be under God's hand of judgment for 49 and a half years of legalized abortion in this country. I think that uh, in the lead up to the 2016 presidential election, a lot of Americans had a dread of the possibility of a Hillary Clinton presidency. And I think a lot of Americans pleaded with God for his grace and mercy. And I think that God spared us for four years from a Hillary Clinton presidency. Donald Trump was not supposed to win. I mean, he really was not supposed to win. He upset the apple cart in a big way. Um, so they had to figure out how to make sure he didn't win the second time. And just, uh, just a reminder, just a reminder of why they were so intent on stealing the election from him, making sure he didn't get a second term. Here's just a clip, less than a minute and a half long, from what Donald Trump said at his inauguration January 20th, 2017. Today's ceremony, however, has very special meaning. 
Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. Washington flourished, but the people did not share in its wealth. Politicians prospered, but the jobs left and the factories closed. The establishment protected itself, but not the citizens of our country. Their victories have not been your victories. Their triumphs have not been your triumphs. And while they celebrated in our nation's capital, there was little to celebrate for struggling families all across our land. There you have it. That's why they stole it. To get their power back. Never forget that. You've been listening to episode 198 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode, of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smooth Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. And that's the way it is, Wednesday, July 20th, 2022.